0: morning, church. Well, we're missing a lot of our ladies this morning, aren't we? And uh, as Tom mentioned, uh, unfortunately, their speaker got sick yesterday. So uh, they've been working on getting things together, so I trust things have come together. Um, I see a smile on Jim's face. I hope Kathy <laughs> had a restful night last night. Um, but I uh, want to keep them in our prayers uh, just throughout the day. As they are gathered together in in the presence of God. And uh, I almost didn't make it to first service this morning. I got stuck inside my garage. And uh, so I'm learning some of the ways of the land around here. That uh, Pastor Ken tells me I need to turn up the torque on my garage door opener because during times like this, when we get snow and so forth, it's a little harder to open the garage door. I kept trying to open my garage and it would open a couple inches and then it would flash lights. And then it would go back down. And I, there was nothing blocking it. I couldn't get it figured out. But finally got it off its tracks and forced it up. And, you know, that's with men, right? If all else fails, use what? Force, right? <laughs> so got it on, finally got it working and got out here. But I thought Pastor Ken was going to have to come pick me up and take me to church. So, but I uh, made it here. And uh, aren't the mountains just glorious? Oh, it's just amazing. You know, that's, that's one thing we did not get in San Diego. Just did not happen that way. And so uh, yesterday, I couldn't believe it, and poor Lisa, she was in uh, Escondido Thursday and Friday uh, with her work down there, and Friday morning, I get a call, I'm getting the kids up, getting, getting them to go to school, I haven't looked outside yet, and she goes, there's snow outside. I said, no, there isn't, there can't be snow outside, and I looked out the window, sure enough, there was snow outside, and our uh, kids were so happy that school was canceled because of snow. They just had never experienced that before, so, uh, so we went out and had a good time in the snow Friday morning. And uh, have been enjoying it, but uh, I'm just really enjoying these mountains and just the beauty of the snow and just the, the majesty of God and His glory and His grandeur. It's wonderful. Well, a question for us this morning When is enough enough? As a parent, I think I know when enough is enough sometimes. When my kids are acting certain ways and you say, Enough is enough, right? That's enough. But we've just been through the holiday seasons and the season and and spending and all these types of things. And when is enough enough? Well, we get pounded by commercials all the time. And commercials, their whole job is to tell us that we don't have what? Enough. That we need more in our life. That's why I like the beauty of the DVR. You don't have to watch all those commercials. You can just kind of go right through them. But I remember growing up, there was a particular commercial that was really popular in the 70s. It's something like this. Oh, I wish I were uh, Oscar Mayer. Wiener. see you know it too, right? And if I was an Oscar Mayer wiener, then everyone would be in love with me. If I could just be that. If I could just have that, then everyone would like me. I would have enough of something to be liked, to be valued. Several years ago, one of the world's richest men, John D. Rockefeller, was asked, how much money is enough? And this is what he said, just a little more. Just a little more. That would be enough. Have you found yourself in that position? Sometimes if I just had a little more of this, if I could just get a little more of this, then I would have enough. I remember reading, I can't remember where I read this from, but I I remember, so I jotted it down. It was a pastor who was talking about the spiritual process of their own life. And one of the things they did is they went into solitude and, and had a sabbatical for a while. And he decided to go to a monastery just to get away from all the electric gadgets and everything. So there was no temptation to watch TV. There was no temptation for all these other things that if he just was at home, that he would be tempted to do. So he went and as he started the, the time out, this monk took him to his room. And he said, now here's your room, real simple, here's your bed, here's your bathroom, and he says, now if there's anything else you need, just let us know and we'll teach you how to live without it. He thought, wow, (laughs) something to think about. If there's anything else you think you need, let us know and we'll teach you how to live without it. I want to suggest to you this morning that God is enough, that God himself is enough for you and I not even the things that we look to God to provide in our life, but just the very presence of God, of knowing God, He Himself is enough for our lives. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what you think or feel your needs are, God Himself is enough. I've always enjoyed the words of the Apostle Paul from the book of Philippians. And I want to share it with you first from the New International Version, and then I'll read it to you from the message. But Paul says this For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything. Through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says, even when I'm in need, when I feel the need, I'm content because God was enough for Paul. And where was Paul when he was writing this letter? In a five star hotel? In the comfort of his own home? He was in prison. So even in prison, he knew what it was like to have God be enough for his life. The message translation reads something like this. Actually, I don't have a sense of need in anything personally. I have learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. God was enough. It's sort of like how author and speaker John Orberg talked about a man called Bubba in his life. Let me share this story with you. John says many years ago I was walking in Newport Beach with two friends. Two of us were on staff together at a church, and one was an elder at the same church. We walked past a bar where a fight had been going on inside. The fight had spilled out into the street, just like in an old western. Several guys were beating up on another guy, and he was bleeding from the forehead. We knew we had to do something, so we went over to break up the fight. I don't think we were very intimidating. All we did was walk over and say, hey, you guys, cut that out. (laughs) It didn't do very much. Then, all of a sudden, they looked at us with fear in their eyes. The guys who had been beating up on the one guy stopped and started to slink away. I didn't know why they... Why? Until we turned and looked behind us. Out of the bar had come the biggest man I think I had ever seen. He was something like six feet, seven inches tall, maybe 300 pounds, and about 2% body fat. Just huge. We called him Bubba, but not to his face afterwards when we talked about him. Bubba didn't say a word. He just stood there and flexed. You could tell he was hoping they would try and have a go at him. All of a sudden, my attitude was transformed, and I said to those guys, you better not let us catch you coming around here again. I was a different person because I had a great big bubba. I was ready to confront with resolve and firmness. I was released from anxiety and fear. I was filled with boldness and confidence. I was ready to help somebody that needed helping. I was ready to serve where serving was required. Why? Because I had a great big Bubba. I was convinced I was not alone and I was safe. If I were convinced that Bubba was with me 24 hours a day, I would have a fundamentally different approach to my life. If I knew Bubba was behind me all day long, you wouldn't want to mess with me, but he's not. And I can't count on Bubba. John continues to write and he says, Again and again, The writers of Scripture pose this question for us. How big is your God? Again and again, we're reminded that one who is greater than Bubba has come, and you don't have to wonder whether or not he'll show up. He's always there. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live your life in hiding. You have a great, big God, and I'd like to say, because God himself is enough. Jesus said these words, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He said those words because he himself is enough. God is enough for our life. Jesus also said these statements I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I'm the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the gate. I'm the light of the world. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I'm the vine. I am the true vine. Do you think he was telling us that he's enough? He is enough. He is enough. Paul himself said in the book of Acts, for in him we live and move and have our being. In him. Jesus invites us to be content in his omniscience, to be content in his omnipotence, to be content in his completeness, to be content in his competence, to be content in his presence, to be content in him. When I was a kid, I remember... We always like to dream about what heaven would be like. You ever do that? It's kind of fun to still do. What, what is heaven going to be like? And you think about all the things that you hope you get to do. You, know, you, hope, you hope you get to like, wrestle with a lion. You hope you get to, to play with a bear. You hope that when I was a kid, I always hoped, I hoped there's surfing in heaven. You know, and it was going to be the perfect wave that would never end until I just hopped off. Streets of gold, mansions, crowns, all these things. But really, what is heaven about? Heaven is about the fact that God is enough, that we will be with God and that will be enough forever. Can you imagine what it would be, uh, feel like and what it would be like to be in heaven and not feel that God was enough? And to feel that way for eternity? That wouldn't be heaven. That would be someplace else. God is enough. And eternity in heaven is the reality that God is enough. And that's why we can live in heaven now on earth because we can experience God being enough for our life now. Jesus was enough when he died on the cross and paid the price for our sins. Jesus will be enough when he comes again in the clouds of heaven and we hear that last trumpet blow. And we must not forget that he is enough now for our lives today. The church must never cling to anything or anyone else but Christ. For the church, Christ is always enough. We believe this truth, but we're challenged in how we live this truth. Jesus said not only that he was the truth, but that he was the way into this life. Eugene Peterson said this, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. So what was the way that Jesus lived this truth? Because Jesus, I think we would all admit, believed that his father was enough. That his father was enough for him when he lived on this earth. So Jesus invites us into living in a certain way that we might be trained by him, might be discipled by him in this way of living with God being enough. I found it fascinating this last week. You know, the real world just gives us too many illustrations in our sermons. It's just so easy. I saw this week that there's a woman who wrote a book called Living Oprah. Have you heard about this? Living Oprah. In fact, her nickname is Lo. It stands for Living Oprah. Living Oprah. Now, for those of you who like Oprah, I'm not bashing on Oprah this morning. I know there are many women in the world that love watching Oprah, and even some men. And Oprah has all kinds of ideas and suggestions, some of them very good, I'm sure. But this woman decided to do an experiment for a year. She was going to live Oprah for a year. She was going to take everything that Oprah said you should and must do on her TV show, everything she said you should and must do in her magazine and on her website, she was going to do it. And she was going to see how she came out after a year. Well, I'd like to tell you how it all ended, but I didn't buy the book. I haven't read the book, but I heard some interviews with her and I read some things that she wrote and looked at her blog and she said it was kind of interesting. There were some things that helped her be better, but she took on a lot of debt because she had to buy all of these things, all these things that she was supposed to have. She had, you know, the 10 things every woman must have in her closet. She bought those 10 things. She, uh, she had to buy a fireplace, a fire pit from Lowe's. Every home should have this. Well, in her condominium, she's not allowed to have those. And <laughs> so, but she bought one, and they use it for their cat. And, uh, but for a year, she committed herself to the way of Oprah. The church is committed to the way of Jesus, amen? And the way Jesus calls us to live. And a huge way in which Jesus calls us to live is to live and believe that God is enough for our life. But sometimes with our lives and our schedules and technology, some of those things get in our way. You know, I have one of these things. An iPhone. I love my iPhone. And I I think I might even worship it a little bit, which is not good. Because I give it a lot of attention. And... It's kind of a black hole sometimes. You turn it on and, oh, you got a message. And, oh, you got a text message now. And, oh, you now have a new email. And before you know it, time collapses on your life. And so I have to practice the spiritual discipline of putting it away sometimes. Because it just kind of keeps creeping into my life. And it's a good thing. It's a great resource. But if I'm not careful, all the time and space in my life begins to collapse. And pretty soon, I don't know what it's like to be still and listen to God. And so Jesus, who I would like to suggest to you, had the busiest life of anybody who ever walked the face of this earth. I don't think there was anybody else who lived on this earth who had a busier life than Jesus. But he lived a life in such a way that he could still be centered in the Father and listen to the Father and be in tune to what the Father was up to in this world to work with him. And that's the way in which I think Jesus lived, invites us to live. I've always loved Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am who? God. Be still and know that I am God. The message says it this way. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. The way of Jesus was be still. And know that I am your Abba. That I am your Father. The Bible says that it was a regular thing for him to go get away. To be alone in prayer. To be alone with the Father. He would do it early before the sun rose. Sometimes he would spend the evenings just being still. It's tough, isn't it, in our day and age? Not to be doing emails at 11 o'clock at night. Not to get emails. Not to do emails. Not to, the list goes on and on and on. Just this week. I was here in the office just trying to catch up on things. I told my wife I'd be home maybe about 5.30 for dinner. She called me at 6.30 asking where I was. Is it 6.30 already? I still have so much to do. At some point, you have to stop. And as a pastor, I have to believe that God's in charge and that God can cover things even if I can't get to everything because God is enough. God is enough for everyone. Be still. And know that I am God. Kierkegaard said this, If I could prescribe only one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. Silence. Be still and know that I am God. It's when I'm still with God that I'm reminded that I am a human being and not a human doing. That he created me for a purpose. And that purpose is to know Him and to experience Him and to live in Him and live, let Him live through me in this life. Here's a question I want us to ponder a little bit this morning. What is it that I may be doing that suggests that maybe I don't think God is enough in my life? Is there some way in which I live out my day-to-day life that, that, I, that I just don't think God can cover that? That God is enough in my life? How does that look in my ambitions, in my job, in my relationships, in my parenting, in my marriage? What would it look like? What does it look like when I wake up in the morning and I go about my day believing and knowing that God is enough? What kind of peace do I have? What kind of rest do I have? What kind of assurance and confidence do I have? He's greater than our losses. He's greater than our gains. He's greater than our sorrows, than our happiness, than our finances, than our sins. He's greater than our brokenness, our success, our failures, our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. He is enough. It's all about him. I love the words of the psalmist in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For a man named Kim duk Su, God was enough. Kim duk Su will never forget November 20, 1950. That was the day the communist troops found him hiding with his father in a root cellar. Kim has difficulty telling his story. He's not alone. Hundreds of thousands of Christians made up the human way of escaping the North for the free South. And each has a similar story of deliverance from a regime opposed to religion. He said, when we heard the soldiers coming, I was sure we would be killed. His eyes filling with tears, he said, my daddy told me we could not tell a lie to save our lives. Kim's father had pastored the same church for 42 years. He had helped his wife hide their children by covering them with rice bags and dirt. But after two days of hiding, Kim uncovered himself. Just then, communist troops approached the house. Kim and his father ran to the backyard and hid in the root cellar. I told God I would serve him all my life if I got out of the root cellar alive. The soldiers found Kim and his father and took them off to a makeshift prison. They were to be executed the next morning. That evening, a captain approached Kim and he asked him this question Are you a Christian? For a fleeting moment, life for a lie seemed the only logical way to go. But the young boy remembered his father's instruction and he said these words I am a Christian. The captain drew closer and whispered, I am a Christian too. I used to be a Sunday school teacher before the war. You must escape tonight. I will help you. Kim fled that night and made it safely to an American army base. God was enough. In the face of death even, when he felt the greatest need was to tell a lie God was enough, and God was enough. I love the words of Nicole Nordeman in her chorus to the song, I Am. I will be weak, unable to speak. Still I will call you by name, creator, maker, life sustainer, comforter, healer, my redeemer, Lord and King, beginning and the end, and he says, I am. Yes, I am. God is enough for our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you today thanking you for being enough. But Lord, I confess and we confess that there are many days that go by that for some reason I behave in such a way in which I'm not acting like you're enough. That I need to cover myself in some way or do something in some way And yet there you are, telling me that you are enough, showing me that you are enough. And so we pray, Lord, for the grace to not just believe, but to have the faith, to act on the belief, knowing that when you say you are the way, the truth, and the life, when you say I am, you are enough for our lives. This truly is good news. Your kingdom is enough. Would you take a couple seconds, a few minutes, sorry, a few minutes, a few seconds, to just be alone with God and allow Him to be enough. Maybe today you just need to surrender and say, God, forgive me. Would you just be enough? Give me the grace to allow you to be enough. Maybe you experience that already and you can rejoice and praise Him for being enough. Take those few moments right now.